Hello everyone, welcome. This is Film is Forever. I'm your host, Immortan Steve, and I have to be honest, this is the first time I've ever done a podcast before. So please excuse, and I definitely appreciate your patience if there are any sorts of ums and uhs and clicks and all those kind of amateur mistakes that you might hear in a first-time podcast. I'm sure I'll get better at it over time. I intend for this to be a continuing series of podcasts based around the world of film. I would like to talk a little about myself, but I know that's not why you're here. You're here to learn about the movie Rogue One, which will be discussed at length. So I will spare any details about myself or the mission of this podcast to later on at the end. So if you are interested in learning about that, Uh, You're welcome to stick around after the main review and feedback section. Before I delve into Rogue One, I would like to talk a little bit about my past history with Star Wars and kind of where I'm coming from as a viewer and as a fan in general. So, uh, I was very young when I first saw the original films. I was about five years old. I know I was in kindergarten. And my family rented the VHSs of the original trilogy original original trilogy mind you from the library it's kind of odd that we did not own them at the time it was kind of surprising to me but uh, obviously I fell in love with them and for Christmas that was rectified and we ended up uh, with a copy of the series in our household and the VHS's were worn out from then on I remember when I was young and I would watch those movies they had a little uh, interview with George Lucas with Leonard Malton at the beginning, and I would always be fast-forwarding that part, and it seemed to go on forever. They just would not stop talking. It's kind of ironic now because I can't get enough bonus feature, documentary, behind-the-scenes sort of outlook on films, so I definitely would watch that now as much as the original films themselves. I saw the special editions in theaters. At the time, I was... Ye- so young that it didn't even phase me that Han didn't shoot first. It's kind of like a betrayal nowadays. But, uh, yeah, so didn't realize that at the time. Likewise, when the prequels came out, I thought they were pretty good at the time. Uh, It didn't phase me until I was a lot older, and I realized how bad they actually were. And a lot of that came from seeing the Red Letter Media Mr. Plinkett reviews, which those are genius. If you haven't seen them, whether you love Star Wars or hate it or whatever, those are entertaining. However, in 2008, things changed. That's the year that the Clone Wars cartoon movie came out to theaters. That's the one with, like, Jabba the Hutt's son or daughter and Ahsoka and all of that. I never saw it, and frankly, I could care less. Uh, That, coupled with Indiana Jones 4 which, in my opinion, is one of the worst movies ever made. It's an atrocity that I wouldn't even show the terrorists as torture. Those two things combined really disillusioned me to the Star Wars brand, and it just kind of disgusted me. Uh, That's also the year that Iron Man came out, so my attention sort of shifted over to Marvel and all of those sorts of superhero movies, and Star Wars was left in the dust. So time went by, and the years passed, And Star Wars just kind of faded out of my life for a long time. Until, that is, I was in college and we heard that The Force Awakens was going to be made. Disney had purchased Lucasfilm and were 
very keen on producing new franchises and spin-off stories. At least my interest was mildly piqued. The trailers came out for Force Awakens. I thought they looked pretty cool. I mean, how could you not? Especially when you see Harrison Ford and he's like, Chewie, we're home. That was so cool. However, the film itself was disappointing to me. I thought that when I had walked out of the theater, I had seen something that no one else had. Everyone on Facebook, everyone on social media was ranting and raving about how great The Force Awakens was, but I felt hollow inside. It felt like a complete ripoff of A New Hope. I'm sure you've seen all the criticisms. Mine basically follow along that line. It just was not what I was expecting. As well, I hoped to see a lot more of Mark Hamill in that movie than we did. I mean, when you're second build in the cast, you expect to be in the film a lot, so I felt pretty betrayed by that. But that said, Rogue One did seem promising from the moment it was announced. The whole idea of having the direct prequel to A New Hope gave you lots of potential for character crossover. The casting was really impressive to me, particularly that they got Mads Mikkelsen and Alan Tudyk in the same movie. The director, Gareth Edwards, eh, I didn't really have much of an expectation for him. I didn't care for Godzilla. I thought the last final uber battle was pretty awesome. But up to that point, it was largely mediocre. But I was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. So with that sort of background in mind, I think I'm going to switch on over to the main portion of this review. Now, please bear in mind there are spoilers. This is going to be spoiler heavy. So... If you haven't seen the film, I encourage you to pause the podcast, go see it, and come back, hit play again, and pick up from here. So, final warning, here we go. I have to say that overall, Rogue One is a very good movie. It's not the be-all, end-all of Star Wars films, but it is definitely, I can say, the best since Return of the Jedi. Possibly even since, no, no. It's not better than Return of the Jedi, but it is better than everything that has come afterwards, in my opinion. There's still a good deal of post-release hype that maybe as the time goes by, I will sober up to it a little more. I hope that doesn't happen, but the movie overall is very good. I did have some issues with a few parts of it, but I'll talk about that later. Right now, I want to tell you what I really did like about it. And first of all, I don't think I can say anything more without mentioning Darth Vader. Oh, sweet Hercules, Darth Vader. Seeing Darth Vader in action for the first time since Revenge of the Sith, but actually doing things, not just standing there and muttering, No! I felt so relieved. Now, I saw the film with my girlfriend, and as soon as I saw the ship land on this lava planet, which I assume is Mustafar. I have no idea, so if you know better, please let me know, and I will give you props in the next episode, if slash when that happens. I knew something was coming, and then I saw the back to tank, and I thought, oh my gosh, here we go. And I looked over to her, and I smiled the biggest, cheekiest grin that I could ever smile, and I just knew we were in for something special right then and there. And you hear the legendary voice of James Earl Jones. Oh, I was just floored. 
I would have expected that to be his only scene when he speaks to Krennic, the bad guy. However, I had kind of read a few reviews that mentioned he's in it more than once. So I was okay with that. I was like, all right, you know, I might have been a little disappointed. This looked like it was going to be another Luke Skywalker, you know, bait and switch. However, when he appears in that last two minutes, that made up for the entirety of the prequel series and Force Awakens flaws. I had chills. My adrenaline was pumping. I wanted to just yell at the screen. I was so happy to see Vader in action as the badass that he has always been in my mind. But to actually see it on screen and him wielding that lightsaber like a crazy Jason Voorhees kind of nut, but just sheer epicness. Oh, so I left the theater just beaming. I was so happy. My adrenaline was pumping, and I was speechless. I still kind of am. Secondly, I really enjoyed the use of callbacks throughout the film. I liked the use of CGI for characters like Tarkin and young Leia. I thought to myself, wow, Carrie Fisher sure cleaned up nicely within a year's time. Also, don't forget the blue milk. And then another thing that I really enjoyed that might have gone over a few people's heads at least the first time they see the film, Red 5. Now clearly there was a pilot before Luke who had the Red 5 call sign, but he died in the battle that we see on screen. And then when Luke came by and took over his role in the Red Squadron, he donned that name. So that's where it came from. I was a little surprised that we didn't see Wedge or maybe Biggs as well, though it's possible Biggs might have still been on Tatooine if you consider the deleted scene canon to A New Hope. So I really liked the callbacks. As far as what was new in the film, I really liked K2SO. Alan Tudyk, as I mentioned, is awesome. Firefly is absolutely spectacular, and now he gets to be in the Star Wars universe. And I really liked the dry sense of humor of this droid. Out of everyone who died, which, let's face it, it was everybody... I would say his death impacted me the most. Another new character I liked was Donnie Yen's character, and I could not tell you what his name was. I think it's like Chirut or something like Yeah, Chirut Mway. I don't know how you pronounce that little symbol on top of the I. But I really liked that they brought the Force into the film in a character who wasn't a Jedi, and I also liked his traveling companion, Baze Malbus? You gotta love Star Wars names. I think they just take random consonants and vowels and put them in a blender and just get, see what they get. Like, no kidding, George Lucas went on to Jon Stewart one time, and Jon Stewart asked him, what planet is Obi-Wan from? And George Lucas just looks at him and goes, uh, he's from the planet Stu-John. Yeah, Stu-John. And it's like, ugh, you just pulled that out of your butt. Anyway, back to Bay's Malbus. I really liked his weapon, and I've never seen a weapon like that in Star Wars. I liked that he was kind of the heavy character. You know, if you were playing a Battlefront video game, he'd definitely be the one with the big guns who walks the slowest. I also really liked the cinematography of the film. I liked that they use real-life locations in many cases. 
they were fairly different planets than ones that we had seen in the past. Now granted, they were on a planet that was raining all the time. That did strike me a lot like Camino, but in terms of the tropical island, I thought that was cool. And the opening planet, which was kind of like an Iceland version of Tatooine. Now let's talk about some things that I didn't really care for or were just okay. One of those things was the music by Michael Giacchino. I believe he is this generation's John Williams. Michael Giacchino does his hardest to come up with new themes, and maybe I just need to listen to them again. But the only time that I really cared for the music was when he brought back the John Williams cues, which were very subtle. But I also recall hearing that Alexander Desplat backed out of the film near the end of post-production, so Giacchino had to do what he could with the time that he had. In terms of the rest of the cast, I wasn't crazy about Ben Mendelsohn as Orson Krennic. Granted, he really didn't have that much to do. He pretty much just whined everybody he spoke to. So I think that just kind of got on my nerves. I also didn't really care for Diego Luna as Cassian Andor. He struck me as a Han Solo wannabe who was just never nearly as interesting. He played that role pretty one note, I thought. But talking about one note, I'd be remiss if I did not mention Felicity Jones. Now, she's the main character, Jin Erso, but when I think of her, all I think of is a pair of gawking eyes. All she does is stare, really. Like, when you go back and rewatch the film, think of how many times she's just standing there staring. I mean, even on the theatrical release poster, she's staring. Granted, it's a poster, but it's her exact facial expression. I couldn't care less about her, her fate didn't matter to me in the slightest, and she really showed me what one thing was that The Force Awakens got really, really right was its portrayal of Rey. I think overall, the character development in Rogue One was pretty poor. They were relying on a lot of us already having knowledge of the characters we've seen before, but these new ones, they did a pretty poor job of fleshing out, I thought. Some people I just naturally liked, like Chirrut and Baze, but these others were pretty stale, cookie-cutter character imitations. And I think the reshooting they did was partly to blame. I mean, Forrest Whitaker, if someone could please explain to me why he was there, what was his purpose? And I think there's a ton of story, at least of his part, that ended up on the cutting room floor. The whole first act in general was really choppy to me. People were going here and there. It didn't make much sense. It was very disconnected. But eventually they all ended up together. When they finally escaped from Forrest Whitaker's hideout, that's when the movie started to kick into gear and when I started to care. And then by the time you get to the third act, when they leave Yavin 4 again, that's when I'm fully on board. And that's how I can overlook some of these other complaints. So overall, I would give Rogue One, a Star Wars story, a solid B. It has some trip-ups in the beginning, and the character development is almost non-existent. But in terms of a film that could get me to care about Star Wars again, it worked. As an action film, it worked. As a chapter in the Star Wars saga, it worked. And given its troubled production history... I think it's impressive that we got something as great as we did. So if you've seen it, maybe go see it again around Christmas. I know I probably will. But in a year that has produced not many great blockbuster films, and truly there have not been that many this year, this is definitely 
one of the better ones. So solid B. So there you have it, my first review. Right now would be a great place for a sponsor ad, but I don't have any sponsors. So until I do, there will be no ads. So on to the feedback section. Our first feedback comes from Ruben, and he says, Overall, I really enjoyed the film. I have only three complaints. First, the beginning of the film was kind of slow, and I felt that everything prior to the scene where Saw displays the message to Jin was unnecessary. I agree, Ruben. I could have lived with an opening crawl like the one I posted below, and he has a video link to an opening crawl that I assume somebody made on and has posted to YouTube. Second, I think the CGI used to bring Tarkin to life and rejuvenate Leia was pretty bad. At least with Leia, we just spent a couple of seconds, but Tarkin had so much screen time, and he looked creepy and distracting. Now, I will say, I did notice that he was still CGI, but I think we've come a long, long way from that latest Tron movie where Jeff Bridges just looked atrocious. Ugh. But the Uncanny Valley still does exist, and I can see how that might be a problem. So, I think we're almost there. We're not quite there yet but it was good enough for me that I frankly could give it a pass. He says, Third, the presence of the Tantive Four. Leia was in the middle of the battle all along, and then they barely escaped Vader. I think that contradicts the beginning of A New Hope. The Tripulation and Leia say that they are on a diplomatic mission to Alderaan and don't know anything about stolen plans or something. Vader says that they tracked a transmission that was sent to that ship and uses that as a proof that they're in league with the Rebel Alliance. I know the Rebels had to lie, but if they just barely escaped Vader himself, and Vader saw them escape, then that's just a stupid lie to tell. That is a great uh, uncovering of a plot hole. I did not think of that, but I, I did think it was odd that the Tantive Four was there among everybody else the whole time. If I were Vader, I'd say, come on, I just saw you fleeing the battle on Scarif. Don't be hypocritical. I don't know. I prefer the version told in Battlefront 2. They transmitted the plans from one location to another, the Empire tracking them and arriving a step late, and finally reaching the Tantive Four. Maybe I'm overthinking it, but that tiny part left me scratching my head. Other than that, from Saw Gerrera onwards, the rhythm was always in crescendo. I really grew fond of the characters. I cared about them, cheered them, cried when they died or were hurt, and the climax battle was the glory. And those two or three minutes at the end were pure gold. Yep, exactly. All the cameos and the Easter eggs were great. I didn't miss the Jedi, and it felt like Star Wars from the beginning to the end. The photography was beautiful, and the music was awesome, but not memorable. I'm one with the Force, and the Force is with me. Wow, I pretty much completely agree with that, Ruben. I think that's very, very much where I'm coming from as well. The second feedback comes from Max. And Max follows me on Twitter, and he asks... Number one, why do you hate Batman? Now, not that this has anything to do with Rogue One, but I will just say that I do not hate Batman. I think that's an overstatement. There is a certain representation of Batman in a certain movie from a person whose name rhymes with uh, Christopher Colon, and I'm not going to talk about that on this particular episode, but I guarantee if I keep having these podcasts... There will be an episode where I talk all about Batman. We will get to the bottom of my grievances for that particular film. And he says, secondly, would a Star Wars and Guardians of the Galaxy mashup be fun? Oh my goodness, that'd be glorious. I would love to hear 70s rock songs in the context of a Star Wars movie. 
and then have Chris Pratt show up and just like riff off of Han Solo. Oh, I'm sure he'd love that. Now, it would have to be the old Han Solo. It would have to be the 1970s Han Solo. Because, obviously, spoiler alert, he's not around anymore in The Force Awakens. And that was handled poorly. But that's, again, that's another podcast. But I also would enjoy seeing Rocket Raccoon interact with maybe Yoda. Oh, my goodness. Yoda meets Rocket. I love it already. And our third comment of the night comes from Tad. And he says... You should have a co-host or a guest for your podcast as it helps build the dynamic and it gives you a breather now and then. I totally agree, Tad, and I never knew when I was recording this that it would be such a challenge. You wouldn't believe all the editing that I'm going to have to do, and you'll never hear it, and hopefully if I've done my job right, it's pretty seamless. But I, fortunately, I enjoy editing, though I may not after the hours of work that I'm going to have to do on this, but we'll see. But yes, I totally agree that I should have a guest, maybe a co-host, and this should hopefully be a regular thing. So that's it for the feedback tonight. Thank you all who participated. And that pretty much rounds out the show. Before I leave, I just want to say a couple words about myself and hopefully about what I'd like to accomplish from doing this podcast should it continue. Basically, I really love movies. And usually when I see a movie... I'll go on Facebook or social media and I'll write a little blurb about it. Just a paragraph or two saying what I thought about it. And I go to a lot of advanced screenings, so oftentimes I get to see these things well before anyone else does. So I'll share my two cents, and I've done this so much for so many years that several of my friends really follow what I do. And when I don't give a comment, they often notice and they're like, What did you think of this? Let us know. Is it worth the time? So seeing people's reactions to what I say is a pretty cool feeling, and I'd like to do that for more people if time permits and the interest is there. And I chose the name Film is Forever because it comes from one of my favorite quotes, and it comes from Peter Jackson, one of my favorite directors, whom I have actually met in New Zealand. Again, that's for another podcast. But he did say one time, pain is temporary, film is forever, and that's always stuck with me. So I can't guarantee what the next podcast will be about or when it will be, but I'd really appreciate any sort of feedback or support that you may have. Please let me know what you thought, and I look forward to seeing you next week. So this is a Morton Steve signing out, and I'll leave you with my favorite quote. All you have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to you. So please like, comment, subscribe, and I'll see you soon. Peace out.